Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas, delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, today, super special episode. Anytime I get to talk to somebody who's also a member of the Long Gray Line, uh, West Point graduate, I just get excited and just amped. John Crowley's here today, president and COO of Steelheart's Foundation. We're going to dive into the Paint True and Steelheart collab that's going on, which is incredible. John, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Tony. I'm excited to be here. Right now, we were just talking before the show, you know, fall is in full effect, especially in some places more than others. And being in the Northeast where you are now, like it just goes from like the flash to bang there is almost overnight. That's right. Yeah, we just had our our first, I guess you'd say crisp day of fall. I'm soaking in every moment of it because I know winter is just around the corner. Boston's not known for their long falls, but I'm enjoying it. Right. You got to make sure you, you know, get a hold of while you're down there, Boston's finest, maybe an Oktoberfest, if that's your thing. If not, <laughs> win in Rome as they say. It's pumpkin spice latte season. So we got to get those in before it gets too cold. Right. And you're in Cambridge, in Boston, Cambridge, because you're at Harvard Business School doing a joint degree, right? Yeah. So I transitioned out of the army uh, after a little over five years in active duty as, as an engineer officer and started in the Harvard joint degree program between the Kennedy School and the business school. And it's just been an amazing ride. Tremendous opportunity. Started at the K School in, in 2019 basically did a full year of their core curriculum there and a few electives, ran over to the other side of the river for all of last year for the business school core curriculum portion. And then this year, my third and final year, I'm taking electives at both schools. So I'm, I'm a bridge runner, as they say. So being up in Boston, specifically Cambridge, you've had some time to reflect, you know, getting out of the service. Is there something you've taken away from your time in service that you maybe you didn't appreciate while you were in active duty? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's more of a mindset thing. I think, you know, I wish I wish the answer to the question of what have I carried over has, has been like amazing morning workouts and this, this fantastic routine. Um, candidly, I, I don't have a set routine. I just, my day is relatively full and I try and squeeze in, you know, workout when I can and, and, and personal time, of course. But really the only thing that's consistent from the military is drinking coffee every day and every morning in terms of the tactical. And then from, I think more than anything else, it's a mindset perspective and just the idea of, you know, treating people with dignity and respect, things that are important to, you know, live the army values. Greeting people is like a small thing. I think it goes a long way. It's something you and I, Tony, learned as, as plebes at West Point, just to, just to say hi to people as you pass them. It's amazing what that does. It goes a long way. 
And just even like with the mask on, right? Like you can just see people's eyes now. And like that, like friendly expression is like very pleasant. Right. Like I think they call it uh, smiling with your eyes, maybe. Um, it's top of mind because I have a professor, Arthur Brooks, who who gave an opening, uh, our opening remarks to kick off our EC year at the business school with a with a discussion on smiling with your eyes. Apparently, he studied the science of happiness, and that's an important component of it. Look at that. Already on the cutting edge, and we're like two minutes <laughs> into the conversation. I would expect nothing less. Of course. No, I, I think just to, to, to round out the question, it's, it's just more of a, a mentality. I think a bias towards action. Um, and, and just recognizing that you have an amazing opportunity, just like we, we did and, and, and you still still do as a, as a, a public servant and, and someone who's wearing the uniform to be your best every day and just recognizing making the most of it. That bias towards action, where does that, where does that come from for you? Because it's different for everybody. It's something that's innate, I think, in, in, in most of us who choose to serve. And I think everyone has it to an extent. Um, and just kind of listening to that call to action and I think finding role models goes a long way. So thinking about, you know, starting at, at the academy and, and looking up to upperclassmen and certainly making the transition out of the military. And, and uh, you know, it's a well-trodden path from, from active duty service to an MBA program. And so just like following in others' footsteps and, and saying, you know, like this can be done, it's been done before, and just kind of leaning into the, the momentum and the energy and the amazing support system that's available and, and taking advantage of it. You touched on mentorship. Is there a specific mentor that sticks out to you? I think it, it changes so often, right? I, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It's, it's more of a dynamic thing. And so, you know, I think probably early days at West Point, you know, day one, you look up to your, your B squad leader, right? Like that, that's the first person with authority you meet after you're kind of humbled down as a new cadet and, and, and you kind of uh, are kicking off your military journey. And that shifts, right? Like you move into your academic company and you identify you know, the top students, the top athletes in your company. And then you, then you move on to the army and you look at who's, who's going to ranger school and, and, and who's just doing really, really well. And you, and you just find new, new mentors and new leaders from there. I think, you know, probably the biggest influence in, in my military career was my battalion commander during my platoon leader and XO time, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Geary, just the embodiment of a, of a paratrooper. He had served as a company commander during the hurricane Katrina days when the 82nd responded to that to that humanitarian effort. And he took over again prior to our deployment to Afghanistan in 2017. He's just an incredible, incredible individual and uh, someone I think we all looked up to a great deal. What made him incredible specifically? Like if you had to pick out one thing? Well, I think more than anything else, he just kept it real. He wasn't someone that uh, was inaccessible. He was definitely one of the people. He took the time to speak to people he worked out with us, right? He would scoop you up. And, and, and I'm sure you've been through this, Tony. You're getting ready for, for to go out for a run. This is the time when we were on staff. And it's it's just a captain's job. You're looking to maybe crush a, a few miles at a, at a nice maybe nine-minute pace, maybe a little bit less. And the battalion commander comes by and scoops, scoops up the young captain's four or five-mile ranger standard PT session. And so things like that, like, you can't really teach that. It's just something that, that I think people pick up on. And it goes a long way to just build build a relationship in an authentic way with people. Yeah. And that goes back to initially, right? Smiling with your eyes, that authentic connection. You can fake applause all the time. You can't really fake laugh to somebody like because you can tell how quickly inauthentic that is. Right. I, I think just people respond to that. Soldiers respond to that, right? Like 
your, your average army private is paying attention to everything that moves, right? Like they're constantly assessing the situation um, and they respond to, I think, authenticity. And whenever you can level with, with, your, with your troops or whenever you can level with your teammates, even thinking outside the military, I think that, that candor will, will take, you know, takes people far. Yeah. And that candor is allowing, you know, for the successes that happen in life and also those failures. That's right. We've all had them. Like what failure has really shaped you throughout this journey? There's several that come to mind. The earliest one in, in kind of the military experience was my, my final uh, eight PT test as a, as a new cadet. I failed my, my final APFT right before, you know, kicking off to the school year as, as a, as a new cadet. And, and I feel like we'll talk real quick, APFD, two mile run, two minutes of sit-ups, two minutes of push-ups, not in that order. And I failed by one push-up. And, and I think it was probably, I was probably in my own head, right? Like just the worst case scenario, all your, you know, academic leadership knows when they inherit you is that you're a PT test failure, no context, right? You're just, you're just a red flag kind of moving in. And that was devastating after what I thought was an awesome kind of first summer. So that, that was kind of tough and you get to earn your way back from that and certainly putting the extra time to to correct the situation. But then then just the failures that come with just being in the military, right? Like I recycled sapper school on the patrol phase my first time through. That was tough, right? Being a holdover and having to go through a second round of the long walk again. And then thinking ahead to uh, jump master school, I, I failed my my JMPI exam the first time through as well and had to recycle that course. JMPI is for those who don't know. Yeah, Jumpmaster Personnel Inspection. Which is like the final test of Jumpmaster. Like you have to like be perfect. That's right. So you have a, they call it shadow boxing when you're, when you're practicing for, you know, the, the parachute and the, the personnel inspection. But uh, it's a sequence that you memorize and you're on a time standard and, you, and uh, it's tough. I mean, it's just something that requires practice and many people fail the first time through and you just learn from those, those moments and those points of failure and just learning to embrace it and kind of lean into it. During each of those three things, right? So it was, you know, one rep on the physical fitness test, having to walk again in Ranger or Sapper school, seeing everybody kind of graduate and then go back. And then also, you know, going through jump master and having to do that again. Like, what's the one thing that's the connective tissue across all of that? Like, what helped you to be like, hey, I need to check my ego or whatever it was, come back because I know I can do this? Yeah. It's a great question, Tony. I think it, the answer has to be resiliency, right? You can get in your own head really easily with all this stuff, right? You start to start to question, am I good enough, right? Like as a new cadet failing your first PT test, that was a question I had. Like, am I going to make it here? At, at Sapper School, watching your buddies who are, you know, staying up all night in the patrol base with you, graduating, getting their tab, and you're kind of in the audience watching them, knowing that you're at least a month away from that, at least, right? That's tough, then you say, you know, am I, am I really cut out for it? And you kind of have to dig deep. There's no way to accelerate the process, right? You just kind of have to go, go through the motions, sleep on it, you know, do what you can to set the conditions for success the next time around. Um, if it's something that's more tactically oriented that you can practice for, if there's a mental component to it, like a jump master school when you're memorizing your pre-jump, which is, which is your effectively, for those who don't know, it's five to 10 minutes of pre-airborne operation instructions from the jump master, you know, leadership team. And you have to memorize, I don't know how many words it is, but you have to memorize this thing. And that's a mental exercise. So you, you, it really just takes, takes time to, to recalibrate, refocus, and kind of 
remembering what brought you to that point in the first place and, and, and building that confidence back up, I think is key. Yeah. And like you said, that resiliency piece is incredibly essential. Like with your work that you do over at Steelhearts and having to constantly interact with Gold Star families. And for those who don't know, a Gold Star family is someone who's lost a service member. No, it's true. You know, being in the military, I know your class, West Point class of 2010, thinking of folks that we remember at Steelhearts, whether it be Todd Lampka, uh, Chase Presnicki, you know, Sean Jacobs. These are guys you knew. These are your classmates. These are your buddies. So, I mean, Todd's Todd's on my wrist, right? I mean, you can't, people can't see that. And thank you, John, for sending that. It just, got, it just came in right before our conversation. Just being able to, to kind of recognize, you know, we only have so much time here on this earth and being able to run Steel Hearts and, and honor, you know, fallen graduates of, of all academies. It started as kind of honoring graduates who were killed in action. And we've expanded to recognize people we've lost due to PTSD, mental illness, right, suicide, and of course, operational losses that happen tragically as well. And that affects every single class and, and it affects everyone be even beyond the military, right? We all we all lose people in our lives and it's up to us to figure out ways to make meaning of that and remember them in a way that does, does their life and legacy justice. Speaking of legacy, we had Brendan on over at Paintru and he talked about the incredible collaboration that the two of you, I mean, the two organizations have kind of come together. And I think it's just incredible when it comes to remembering and the legacy and preserving these heroes that have you know walked among us. Yeah, Brendan and, and JD over at Paint True, I, I hats off to them. They they reached out to us over the summer with, with this amazing idea to, to collaborate um, and kind of go beyond what you know our, our product offering is really simple. We sell high quality commemorative steel bracelets. They wanted to kind of take it a step further and say, let's do something really special here and paint, you know, paint all these fallen graduates kind of on the 20th. Uh, anniversary of you know two, looking back at two decades of war, kind of doing something special to recognize for for all these men and women and, and their families, you know, a way to give back. And they have an amazing platform over there where they turn you know your favorite memories into high quality you know professional pieces of artwork. And and so the synergies there were really obvious. And we said yes, of course, let's do it. And 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 since that time, it's been you know it's been off to the races in terms of fundraising. To making sure that we actually have the resources available to to get all these paintings done, and then of course distributing them in, in a few months' time to families and for those who, whatever reason, don't want a, a portrait in, in their home, uh, working with those families to make sure that the portrait finds a place of honor on a wall in a museum, in a school, in a church, in a community center. Uh, I think it's a really incredible way to to kind of carry uh, the memories of our, our friends and classmates forward and, and into a physical space. And that's the beautiful thing I think about this collaboration is that it's, it's enduring, right? You can put, you know, a day and hide in a library or in a, a school as people walk in and remember like he went here when it called to do the ultimate sacrifice in service of his nation. He didn't hesitate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tony. So, you know, just the idea of role models, who, who do we look up to and and what could be, you know, what better role models than someone like Dan Hyde, right? To 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 put him in front of a younger generation, the Gen Zers, right, or even the generation after Gen Z, and say, you know, this is someone who, you know, not only made the ultimate sacrifice, but lived life to the fullest, and was was an outstanding human being, and uh, you know, what better source of motivation for 
a, a young girl or boy coming through a high school or, 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 or coming through community center or leaving church, right? Like with their family. I, I just think it's a special way to kind of remember people and, and give them uh, their due respect in a place of honor. Absolutely. And it, it speaks to your commitment to service. Like you personally, John, as you know, you've, you've hung up the uniform, you're doing all these great things to that point of service. And it's just not only with your work at Steelhearts too, your, your work with Legacy. And I really want you to touch on that a little bit too. Sure. Yeah. And just briefly to close out, you know, the, the thought on Steelhearts, Tony, you're exactly right. It's, you know, the, the reason I joined in the first place, you know, was, was just by way of a cold email to Joe Wiseman and Chris Murs, who are our co-founders and executive directors at Steelhearts. Um, it, was, it was a cold email, you know, a brand new second lieutenant. It was prompted, you know, just candidly by uh, an AO, you know, Association of Graduates letter, an AOG letter, asking me to donate to, to West Point. And, and, and I, was, I thought to myself, you know, as a young lieutenant, you know, well, excuse me, you, you guys know how much I make. <laughs> it's not like I can fund a new library here, right? With my, with my lieutenant salary. Right. But, but, it, but it was kind of a wake-up call in the sense like, you know, I should give back. Uh, I don't have the, the financial means to do it, but I should give back. Um, and I can give back through my time and give that back through my effort. I think that's what you're doing with this podcast, right? And so it's, it's paying it forward in other ways. We're an all-volunteer team and and I would encourage anyone to to really reflect on that and find ways to you know contribute your time to something that gives you energy and can make a positive difference in the world. No, absolutely. You're not you're not the first person to talk about it. And that's a common theme among all the people we've talked to so far, you know, in these first 25, 26 episodes. It's always it doesn't matter if you don't have the financial means. Everyone's got the same amount of time, right? That's right. And maybe to just bridge the gap between your original your original question about, about, you know, my, my work at legacy, um, which, you know, the name couldn't be more fitting. Apparently I'm, I'm in the legacy business on the nonprofit volunteer side and on, and on the for-profit side. Yeah. You know, legacy is a really interesting, really interesting company. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the mission and just for, for listeners, you know, legacy is uh, a digital fertility clinic for men. We, we test and freeze sperm. I reached out in March of 2020, right before the right before the pandemic, because I saw the CEO's you know winning pitch at TechCrunch Disrupt Berlin in, in 2018. I said, you know, this is a guy I want to follow, right? Role models. Going back to that theme, um, it was really the first first person I identified outside the military I was like, this guy has a vision, he has leadership qualities, um, and he's onto something here. He's kind of seeing farther, faster with the idea of testing and freezing sperm, the idea of you know male fertility being an important part of the conversation, and destigmatizing the idea that fertility and family building is a women's issue. This is our CEO college tagline, but you know we say that men are fifty percent of the fertility equation. Let's be fifty percent of the fertility conversation. Right. Uh, to, to rebalance that. And so, you know, I reached out uh, not because I'm a dad, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have kids, but I reached out because I was inspired to do so after spending time at the Kennedy School as a student in Ash Carter's class, the former secretary of defense, who I learned attempted to get a sperm and egg freezing program launched in 2016 towards the end of his tenure in the Obama administration. And that program went unfunded. And so really, you know, this isn't me being super creative here. This is me copying and pasting a play out of the Ash Carter playbook. And I brought it to the, the CEO and I said, you know, I have no experience in the space coming from the military. I don't know how you know, startups work, but let's give this a thing a shot. I think it's a critical product slash service for the military, right? Every, everyone should be thinking about testing and freezing their sperm prior 
to you know combat deployment, any operational uh, events that maybe you know come with risk. It's just common sense, and I, I truly believe this is going to be something that is is normalized for service members and anyone broadly with more broadly with dangerous jobs. And so it's just been off to the races since that time. Kala was gracious enough to take me on, and I've been working part time as a student, and um, I'm planning on joining the company when I graduate in May of 2022. First, congratulations. And two, yes, like, right, like we, as you process to go on a deployment, you make sure you have a will, you do all these things, but you don't think about your leg. you think about a legacy with your things, but not with people. It's a question of, of timing, right? Like that's the startup question. Like, why this? Why now? You know, science has, has, has come a long way, I think, in the space. And I think also people are open to having that conversation recognizing it's not for everyone, right? It's kind of a, a more progressive idea. But for those that are open to to, to freezing their you know, genetic material, why not do it? This is, I mean, literally life-changing stuff that can afford people the ability to have families on their own terms, which I think is just an amazing thing. Which goes back to your original point of having the right role model in the right place at the right time. There it is. Look at that. And then I have to close then. Uh, we've already done the full circle. John, how are you better than yesterday? Yeah, well, I think we've, we've probably touched on it. I love this question, by the way, Tony. I'm better than yesterday because I had this amazing opportunity to go to school today, right? Just recognizing that huge privilege. You went to, you went to Cornell, it's an Ivy League institution. Not taking that for granted, right? You're in a classroom with some really, really smart people. People who are way smarter than me, right? I was not a, I was not a Rhodes Scholar. I was not a Truman Scholar. Um, you know, I, I consider myself very lucky every day to be walking uh, around the Harvard campus. And so I'm better than yesterday because, I, you know, I was in a classroom today with, with Arthur Brooks for nonprofit leadership and management at the Kennedy School. Took a walk across the river and, and had a class with Jim Matheson on entrepreneurial finance. I mean, what a great privilege. The opportunity to learn is, is, is truly a gift. And so Try to be mindful of that and, and and enjoying every day of it, knowing that graduation isn't isn't too far away. Right. And also, you know, like you said, every story you've told, you've reached out without any prior experience and you just said, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I would like to learn more and people being gracious enough to be like, yeah, more than happy to tell you. So with that, if people want to come and talk to you, John, where are they going? Where are they reaching out? Yep. Yep. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I answer any inbounds from veterans. Um, no, no questions asked. Happy to hop on the phone. I'm happy to provide my email address. You can email me at john at givelegacy.com or john.crowley at steel-hearts.org. You know, reach out. I'm happy to pay it forward. I ha- I'm here because so many others did the same for me. And I'm sure you've, you've, you feel the same way, Tony. You know, it's just, it's all about paying forward and, and helping the next group come through and, and taking care of our people. And so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, I encourage listeners to, to reach out, let's connect, let's talk, let's figure out, you know, what the next chapter looks like for you and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting the, the, the listenership. John, thank you so much for having our six. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.